to quote the famous from Pizza Romana. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. It's another episode of The Backpack. Thank you very much for joining us once again. And uh, thanks you to each and every one of you who checked out our bumper episode last week. It was a bit of a long one. Mm-hmm. And uh, because there was so much to cover off, we spent an hour last talking about Aussie football. Wouldn't have it any other way. And, that hour uh, flew by, Nathan. Certainly did. I mean, yeah. we covered a lot of ground and mm-hmm. we brought up a lot of uh, interesting characters and fired some shots to some people like Football Queensland, the AFC, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, still waiting for responses from uh, some of these parties. But Especially Gianni. <laughs> and hello to all the backpack listeners and downloaders and everyone else. Yes, here we are to uh, run through another hour or so and mm-hmm. uh, see who else we could uh, take aim at this week. Aim <laughs> <laughs> hey, at, talk about. <laughs> see how we go. <laughs> What'd you make of the week, Les? Hmm. Interesting week. Interesting mm. week. It's a very um, fun time, this November international break. Very dangerous if you're a manager in a precarious position. Mm, that's true. That's true. Um, well, do you want to go local first? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Sydney FC, away to Adelaide. What was doing there? I don't have a much better start, can you? <laughs> did you see that happening? <laughs> no, no, I don't think anybody did. I, I was expecting an improvement from Sydney, sure. Mm. But not that. <laughs> not that four at nil, all. 4-0 at half time. Mm. Pretty comfortable. Come out within one minute from the second half, com- kicking off 5-0. And Adelaide just had a penalty and that was it. And didn't do much else. Shocking yeah. night for Adelaide. And really was. And mm. I think people may have been tuning in to see if they can get a glimpse, glimpse of uh, Nestry, mm-hmm. given the news. But uh, wasn't in the squad, of well, course. The, yes, because of his uh, red card. Mm-hmm. Two yellow cards from the uh, match against uh, Vic- uh, Melbourne Victory the week before, but yes, he should be back this weekend. Oh, yes, the weekend uh, after next. Mm. Yeah, international break. Yes, does always catch us out. Correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> always comes at the most inopportune time. Mm-hmm. But look, I think really good start to life this new era at Sydney FC. Mm. And I must say, I oh, uh, Kacharski, mm-hmm. two goals, fantastic to see. This is a, a kid I've been told about for a, a little while now from yes. uh, one one Mickey Brock, mm-hmm. who writes a lot for Football New South Wales. He was mm-hmm. telling me about Kachowski and how he was uh, playing so well and scoring goals for fun at NPL level. Yeah. Good to see him get the chance and um, get on the score sheet, not once but twice. Yeah, it looks like he's got a bright future ahead. Um, you know, being awarded a full-time, you know, a full-time A-League contract as well earlier this year in the off-season, so... Uh, you know, he's obviously going to be a fixture of the squad for a little while to come, which is good to see. Very interesting A-League around both men and women. Mm, yes, it was. And I think that Sunday was very interesting indeed in the A-League men's. <laughs> both games. <laughs> Sunday wanna... fun day. Well, I see that now. That is a good name for uh, the A-League. <laughs> it should be, but, you know, hey, uh, during the middle of summer, though, it's not going to be fun to be playing in the you know middle of the day. But... um. Having said that, uh, both in the men's and the women's, it was uh, quite an interesting uh, Sunday. But let's go to your mob, MacArthur. I know you want to talk about MacArthur at Melbourne City. Oh, I, I didn't bring it up to talk about MacArthur. Uh, okay, I can see that you, you know, I can see <laughs> that you you wanted to go there and then kind of, you know, yeah, let's see how, let's put that feeler out there. I'll say uh, Central Coast Brisbane was more on the forefront of my mind, but... Uh, oh, okay, fair enough, fair mm, enough. Uh, but both games were chaotic on mm-hmm. Sunday. Mm-hmm. And 
MacArthur, since they were first on the day, we'll start with them, mm. missed a chance to go top of the table and beat Melbourne City for the first time ever. Yes, they haven't been they them yet. absolutely threw it away. Yeah, they haven't been them yet, have they? Nope. Uh, I think, what, that's seven now in the trial. Mm. Mm. Yeah, season four of the Bulls, which is crazy to think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a, it was a great game, though. It was a great watch. It was. It was. Nice mm. to see Uli Davila back to his best. Mm. I find I make it, that's his first good performance of the season. Mm-hmm. It's been a slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, but Melbourne City, once they get the tails up and once they click into gear, they mm. are such a difficult team to stop. Mm. Very true. No, very true. Um, Price Jamie McLaren didn't take the penalty. Yeah, Antonis did. Antonis yeah. doesn't miss, though. Yeah, but Jamie McLaren, all-time mm. league goal scorer, such a, a figurehead of the club now. Mm. Mm. The opportunity to step up and make it 3-3. Mm. It's a big moment, and um, I am surprised it wasn't him that st- stood up and took it. Yeah, you're right there, Nathan. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like uh, like I said, I'm not. I wasn't that surprised. But yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, at the time I didn't think anything of it. Uh, I saw Antonis uh, step up, and you know he's got a good penalty record, so why not? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but you want to talk about Brisbane a little bit? That game was absolute chaos. Brisbane, Brisbane <laughs> uh, visiting Gosford, and look, I had an inkling that Brisbane were going to get something out of the game mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the Mariners' commitments in Asia midweek. Mm-hmm. The talk was it took them 25 hours or so to get home Yeah, from Bali, which seems ridiculous to me. It does, doesn't it? Considering how many commercial flights go to Bali. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think they only got in on the Saturday morning back in Australia. I don't understand why the delay. Yeah, I don't get it either. You know, some, somebody's obviously dropped the ball there. Yeah. Unfortunately, unless maybe there, was a, there was a weather delay or something like that. Yeah, maybe there was a connecting flight issue, perhaps. I don't know. Surely you just get on the first plane back. When you go Bali, Sydney, direct. Yeah. If you're in the Central Coast. I mean, okay, so you got to drive an hour, you know, an hour and a bit. Mm. An hour and a half. Not that bad of a drive. Exactly right. Especially when you're being ferried on a bus. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to get really stuck in traffic that much anymore now that they've uh, upgraded all the roads. Going from Sydney North. Yep, correct. And, correct. uh, Oh, they paid the price for it, Central Coast, because they looked knackered in that game. They really did. Yeah, I agree with you there. They did look very tired. Leggy. Mm. Very leggy. They can but use the international break. I think they're going to need to because they're going to need to regroup. I mean, obviously, having lost um, the players and uh, that they have and the manager that they had as well um, is having an effect on them. But, um, look, I think they can regroup. I, I don't think they're, um, you know, it's not panic stations yet for them, I don't think. I don't think so either, but the longer they go on losing, the worse it gets. And with every mm-hmm. week, it gets worse again. And I think there is mediating factors for a lot of their performances this season. The opening round against Adelaide, they picked up two injuries in the first half. Again, in the weekend's game, they there was a red card and more injuries. And it's just little things that do offer some mitigating circumstances for the manager and where the club's at. But as I say, the longer they go on losing, the more questions are going to be asked. And I'm not necessarily saying that uh, the manager should go or anything like that, but it is such a massive fall-off from last season. Mm, mm. Yeah. Look, and it like can't it's... be just losing Monty, no, that's losing true. the cum dog. It's still early days, though. Yeah. It is early days, before rounds in. Yeah. So We've already lost two managers. That's... Long way to go. That's true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Well, and, and one in the A-League women as well. Yes. Which we'll uh, get onto in a minute. I don't think there's another one too far away, to be honest, in the A-League men's. Go on. I don't think there's... I, I haven't heard anything, mm-hmm. but I think there may be a change in uh, West Melbourne or West of Melbourne. In Western United? Yes. Um, I don't know if there's a co- coaching issue there. I think what it is, they just don't score 
goals, they create chances. They just can't put them away at the moment. Because I think it, it carries over from the back end of last season too. Mm, mm. And yeah, they had a little bit of a, a late rally. Mm. If I remember correctly, they picked yep. up some wins towards yeah, the end. But last season wasn't great. This season has started relatively poorly. They, they haven't found a replacement for Privich. No, they haven't. And I like that Johnny's put some faith in Botic mm-hmm. because not enough A-League clubs are putting faith in Australian strikers. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a, a very natural outcome of having a marquee and a foreign player quota. Mm-hmm. I think it's very obvious, okay, we've got some international players to come into our squad. Mm-hmm. Who's mm-hmm. the most important ones we can sign? Probably a centre-back, a striker mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. top of the list. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that causes its own problems for Australian football, but they do need some goals. I agree with you. And I agree with your last point there too, in particular, if you think about it, because we, I believe we generally have a problem with regard to number nines in this country and producing them. And it's something that we need to address, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. And mm. and the only way you address it, I was going to say, Nathan, the only way you address it is actually giving people opportunities to play. That's it. And maybe there'll be some avenues lined up when the second division Mm. Gets up, up gets up and running because mm. we don't know what the ins and outs are going to be in terms of squad mm. registration. But yeah. if there is a foreign player allowance, it might be one or two, mm. maybe. Mm. It might just be zero. Mm. And you're going to see more Aussie players in the key positions, striker, yeah. most yeah. notably, yeah. get their chances. And you may yeah. see Australian clubs go, we can go and sign this uh, striker from Europe who's mm. a bit of a journeyman. Hasn't really mm-hmm. found a home. There's been mm-hmm. so many of those down the years in Australian football in the A League. Mm. Or we can find this kid who's scoring plenty of goals in the second tier. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. Clubs may opt for the latter. Yeah, so, no, I agree. Look, we're not breaking any new ground here, but the national second division will be a great thing for Australian football and for the national team as well. With just so many good players coming through mm. and more opportunities for everyone can only be a good thing. But yeah. getting back to it, I think West United they do need they do need a revamp. Yeah, I agree. Look, there's I think. Australia produces enough midfielders, enough defenders, and enough goalkeepers and wingers for that matter. But um, yeah, number nine's the issue for us, and it's something we need to address. You know, in um, over the course of uh, the coming years. But um, yeah, what are you making of the A League women's? Been enjoying it. Mm, I same. caught a bit of the uh, the Phoenix game from the weekend. Now that Phoenix side, they can score a dead ball mm, in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> It's just incredible. Just incredible, the, the free kicks that they can score from. Yeah, and good to see uh, a healthy attendance Ooh. at that game as well. Yeah, yeah. I had to look up where the game was being played. I hadn't heard of the town before, and uh, it has it has since escaped me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It looked good. <laughs> but it, it wasn't looked, in Wellington. No, but it looked good on TV. It did. It did. It did, it did look good. And, um, yeah, uh, Chloe Legazzo scored a, a great goal as well. Mm, very good. Very yeah, good. So... No, there's been some yeah, quality football yeah. there. Um, it's just a shame like with the broadcast that they have the camera on the same side as the supporters. Yeah, yeah. It would be great if it was the opposite. Mm-hmm. I understand the Agree. logistics and just mm-hmm. the nature of the stadiums. Sometimes you can't allow for that. But uh, particularly the home of the Matildas down in Melbourne mm-hmm. where the there's a lot of open space on the far side and the mm-hmm. ends. Yes. It looks like it's being played in front of no one. Well, so you know you can hear the crowd behind Yeah, the, the, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I grant you that as well. And um geez, I think Newcastle got some problems in the women's side. And the men's. <laughs> well, they won or the men's won on the weekend at least. They did win, yes, but, they did win. Um yes, the yeah, there is an issue with the women's, seemingly. Mm, 
because that's I think that's the first real blowout of the season. I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think it just and, again it is just going from the fact that they don't have an owner. Yeah. The Jets. Possibly. I don't tell me it's a that. don't tell me it's a Glazers issue again. <laughs> but um, no, you look, you could be right there. Lack of certainty with regard, you know, uh, with regard to what the uh, ownership of the club is going through. But yeah, let's just wait and see what happens. Hopefully, things improve. Speaking about a club though, that um, seems to have fallen short of an owner is Perth Glory. Yeah, yeah. This is another decently sized Australian football story this week that the sale fell through. We had photos of these guys holding the shirts. Yes, yes. It seems crazy to me that you get that far down the line and it can still fall through in terms of a financial reason. Mm, mm. I, I would have thought all the checks and balances have been placed before you go public with it. And um, Gen- Yeah, yeah. But, but in any case, here we are. Yeah. So it's a bit of a mess, really. And I feel I feel everyone I feel sorry for everyone associated with Perth at the moment with regard to um, being in administration, having as you know a potential buyer, having that fall through at this point. Um, hopefully, the negotiations can reopen and um, and a buyer is able to uh, to take it on and uh, you know and and be able to take that club back to their glory days. Pardon the pun. <laughs> The pun, the, the pun is, was the pun was not intended. I have to say. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> the thing is, the league needs Perth. Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. Yes. And just because they're a well-established name, they've been around for three decades at least. Mm. And not only that, but of course, being the only club in Western Australia. Mm. And I would hope that there'd be enough interest in prospective owners to pick up the glory. Some mining magnet, hopefully. Yeah, and the same can be said for Newcastle, that hopefully owners can be found. We keep hearing stories that it's getting close, yet to see any proof in the pudding, of course, and hopefully we do get some. But if, for whatever reason, Newcastle are unable to be sold, and I'd hate to say, if they do indeed are forced to uh, collapse or have the licence taken back, it doesn't bode well for other regional clubs in the A-League. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit concerned. Well, look, let's just wait and see how it all plays out, right? I'm a bit concerned about Canberra. And they're following, but I think they've got to line that somehow with Canberra United. I really yeah. think they have to do that. Um, but let's just wait and see what happens. Hopefully, we, the expansion goes well, and New, Newcastle as a buyer and the glory can be sold uh, to new buyers. Um, I wonder if um, the Saudis would be interested in Newcastle. <laughs> because they own the other Newcastle. Yeah, it's worth a shout. It's worth a shout. Yeah, yeah. You know. They Go can on, re- send a proposal in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How about you fund us to go buy the club on your behalf? <laughs> Consider it a compensation for pulling out a 2034. Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> be jump um, change for the Saudis. I might, have to re- might have to reach out to them, Nathan. We'll see how we go. We're making it, yeah. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> an approach to them on behalf of the back peg. Mm. Well, you never know. We could be new owners of the Newcastle Jets by this time next year. <laughs> owners? <laughs> 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 no. oh, I haven't got the financial muscle to support an A-League club. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we have to uh, tie that in with the uh, Saudi funding, that's for sure. <laughs> Saudis would have to fund all of it, actually. But <laughs> yes. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's it. Uh, look, it has been a interesting week away from the A-League as well. And obviously, and it has. It, well, we should talk about Nestor, though, just quickly before we get off the A-League. 
Oh, sure, of course, yes. The deal's officially been confirmed. Mm. Uh, some conflicting reports about the price. I think some are saying that it's actually a 750,000 euro fixed fee plus add-ons, which goes against what Romano was saying last week when it was 3 million euros plus add-ons. So I think in time it may come out, but the fact that there is that such conflicting report, I think it does swing the feeling on the deal, whether or not it's a good deal for Adelaide or not. If, yes, I know Nestor's in towards the end of his deal and Australian AV clubs don't have that much leverage in terms of these negotiations because it's so easy to leave an AV club. But if you're only getting 750 grand for him, it is a robbery. Yeah, it is. Uh, look, I haven't heard that particular report. I've heard the, the figure that's banded about being uh, 5.5 million mm. um, Australian. So, But if it's uh, less than that, it can't be a record transfer then, can it? No. And that's a worry. Yeah, I mean... Look, let's hope it's the, the figure that was reported first. Five and a half million Australian dollars, more than double the uh, current record with add-ons to boot on top of that as well, so the number can get even higher. And as we said last week, that is game-changing money for Adelaide United and Australian football. No, I agree. I agree. So, uh, yeah, look, we can, we'll can. we have to wait and see on that one. Mm, indeed. Indeed. But, but it congratulations, is that... con- Yeah, congratulations, Nestry. Great move. Yeah, and he'll move at the end of this league season, so... You've got about, what, 20 weeks or so to go out and see Nestor Yerankunda before he leaves our shores. Hopefully he stays fit for your night round. Mm, yes, that'd be good. Mm. Well, they'll be playing Sydney and, FC, I think, at uh, Allianz during that that uh, festival of football. Yeah, the tickets for that went on sale two days ago. Mm. So hopefully it re- you know, it's received well. I think so. I mean, it's going to be received better than its predecessor. <laughs> That's <Bonner>. true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just That's by default. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully we get, um, you know, some interest from interstate as well with some interstate travellers. It'd be good to see. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, yeah. hopefully there's a bit of buzz around it at, uh, at all venues, at the three venues. Very much so. Very mm. much so. Lads, shall we head overseas? Indeed. Indeed. Where do you want to go first, Nathan? There's a lot of stories on the continent this week. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like to start at Napoli. And the return. Yes. The return of Mr. Matari. Yeah. What do you make of that? I'm, I'm not sold in the slightest. <laughs> not, not in the slightest. Uh, I mean... He's Napoli. He's Napoli, though. He is. He is. I don't think... Look, Rudy Garcia didn't work. No. Yes, Napoli's still in the top four, but mm-hmm. you could tell you start it wasn't the same team as last year. Mm. And... I think the big one is Kim going and mm-hmm. Natan coming in. It didn't really mm-hmm. work out. Mm-hmm. I mean, in any case, Rudy Garcia, I think he had to go. The problem is there's not too many managers kicking around that Napoli could go and get. And Matsari, can he play with a four at the back and wingers? Napoli that was so successful with last season? I don't know. I don't think so. So I, I don't necessarily see this one working out. Uh, look, it could be just you can't some, expect, you know, it, it could be just something steadying the ship. Yeah, the thing is, I don't know how it's going to look on the pitch because Matsari likes to play through the back. I don't know if you're going to really get a tune out of um, Kavicha to play mm-hmm. in like an upper 10 role. Yeah. Much better out wide, but we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I don't think the move's been met with uh, happy fans from Naples. Yeah, look, it's been 10 years since he's been involved in Napoli. Um, do I think it's going to be a good move? Time will tell. I, my, my first impression is that it's a move to steady the ship and, and just um, have someone that understands the club well and then, you know, we'll try and um, um, look at putting his coaching style on, on this set of players. You're right with regard to the set of players, though. I think, yeah, look, it, it's going to be tough. Spalletti's a hard act to follow. 
is, oh, a, yeah. very, is a very hard act to follow. Yeah. So and there's not many yeah. managers that play Spalletti ball. But I'm glad that uh, Conte didn't go. Oh yeah, that would. Be I, I think I think that that would have been a um, yeah, it would not have been a good move for Napoli. No, no that would be a uh, a bomb waiting to go off. Mm. And that's you know something. Like. And that's something that Napoli does not need, especially no. with the owner that they have. <laughs> Although <laughs> it would have been like just grab the popcorn and just watch. <laughs> but that's not what you want if you're looking at outside in at the football club. Correct, correct, correct. Very much so. But they're still but, in the top four, so maybe they can mm, push mm, through because mm. Lazio and Roma can't get their act together. That was a poor game. Wasn't great, was it? Wasn't a no. good watch. It was a bit turgid. No. Was it three shots on target the entire mm. game? Yeah. Uh, and then when you take that to, uh, you know, stack that up against, you know, Chelsea, Manchester City. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, kind of hard to compare the two. <laughs> yeah, that it is. I mean, Syria had a spectacular moment this weekend. You would have seen DeMarco's goal. Yes. Yes, it did. There's been a lot of those lately from half-field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this one was uh, something special. Yes, in that's true. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I think John Joe Shelby actually scored in Turkey for, you know, from his, in his own half. Wow. <laughs> in the weekend, just gone. <laughs> I hadn't seen that. Yeah, well, he left Nottingham Forest and is in Turkey yep. and, uh, yeah, scored the winning goal for his Turkish side uh, from within Thank his you. own half. So. Harry Kane did one not that long ago. Yeah. Um, a little fly. I think everyone's watching the Beckham documentary and getting inspired. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I, I haven't seen it still. And I'm not going to go out of my out of my way to watch it. I have to be honest. Why's that? You don't have time for Bex? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 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 but um, um, look, Syria is going through a bit of a renaissance. But when you have that Lazio Roma derby, the way that that was, that was just yeah, just a tough watch. Yeah, I mean, it was a non-event. Yeah, look, I enjoyed the uh, your Spanish team. Versus Celta Vigo. That was a game. That was a game. <laughs> that was Four a great three. game. Yeah. Stoppage time winner. Mm. And, and yeah. Ebbing, ebbing and flowing. Absolutely. Celta taking the lead and then Athletic taking the lead. Nobody can tell me that La Liga is boring this season. No. It's been a fantastic watch. Been a fantastic watch. It has. And surprise contender for the title as well with Girona still going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to maintain that pace. I mean, they look good. Uh, they do look like underdogs. a good side. Yeah, but they, oh, they do look like a good side. I just think that when they come up against Real, it'll uh, might fall short. But um, yeah, look, uh, you know, Atletico Madrid look okay as well, just quietly. Yeah, and Real Sociedad have had a good season. Aren't they a good side? Aren't yeah, they, aren't they a good they're watch? a fantastic team. They're, they're a great side to watch. Mm. I think Serie A's got a lot of clubs that are. Sort of in a rough spot this season, like Lazio, Roma, mm-hmm. Milan, mm-hmm. Napoli. Mm. They've all had their moments this season, but La Liga seems to have a lot of sides that are really in that mix, the, I don't know, third to seventh-ish. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of those teams are playing well. They are. And oh, it's a much better watch for mine so far this season. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Even um, Real Valencia was a great game playing for yeah. the score. I mean, that could have been 8-5. Yeah, it could have been. Hugo Duro, I don't know what he was. <laughs> oh, poor you, you sent me a message about expect the goals. And I thought, man, <laughs> come on. You, you could see that like everything was going straight to the keeper or going yep. wide. So, you know, you, you, yeah, exactly right. Whilst uh, Real just, they're just phenomenal when they get when they get forward on the counter. Yeah. 
and with no Bellingham either. No, yep, and he'd be out for a few weeks still. I think. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's out for uh, at least another three or so weeks. Jeez, wow. Oh, Jude Bellingham, not in the news cycle. Mm. How will we all cope? Mm. Oh, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, um, I think Real will uh, be okay as well, but, you know, it's it's going to be sad to not see him play. He's just such a delight to watch. He is. He is. Mm. Mm. But no shortage of talent at Real Madrid. No, uh, no, that's some true. Some of those finishes from Vinny and Rodrigo were fantastic. Oh, they were great, weren't they? Mm. Uh, Camavinga's just signed to 2029. Yeah, good. So Good move from the club to renew him. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, that just came out today. So, yeah, plenty happening, though, in uh, in Spain, that's for sure. But uh, maybe Real uh, closing in on their next manager. Who would that be, Nathan? A former player. Yeah, go on. I've missed this. You need to enlighten me. Because too, too busy, nothing, nothing. too busy thinking about the current manager actually, and <laughs> why is he you know, leaving for Brazil? But anyway, yeah, that's it. But uh, someone's doing a very good job over in Germany. Oh yes, you want to talk about him, do you? Yeah, Jabby Alonso. Is he what? What a, what a season he's having, and his club. It's a three-horse race there. Well, maybe a two-horse race. Just that. Dortmund no, it's a two-horse race. Dortmund are moving <laughs> to the side. <laughs> yeah, Dortmund are a shit show this season, but. In a season where maybe the title is up for grabs. Mm. Although is it's it like Leverkusen are going to be there to uh, Bayern, give it Bayern, a real real red hot go. You know, Bayern with Kane up front, if Kane stays fit, the guy could end up with 60 goals. He could. He really could. In in, in Bundesliga, which is crazy. But, um, yeah. I really like watching Leverkusen this season. They're oh, so they're, fun to watch. They're a great watch. They're, that they're, front three is so good. They're a great yeah. watch. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely. But. Yeah, you're right about Xavi uh, Alonso and Leverkusen. They're a great watch. Absolutely fascinating watch. And you, well, it's, it's getting to the point now for me, like I'm looking at the weekend's fixtures, obviously mm. not this weekend, but mm. Like mm. when are Leverkusen playing? Can They're I watch them? Against... Yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, November through to February makes it a bit difficult, time zone-wise, mm. of, yes, of course. But if uh, not live, de- I'm definitely checking out the highlights every week mm. now for Leverkusen. Yeah. No, they're a great watch. Great watch. And you could be right there, Nathan. I think um, maybe Xabi Alonso does uh, put his hand up and uh, and get the Real Madrid job. Well, the talk is he's got a clause in his contract for 15 to 20 million euros. Oh, buying. Uh, buy, buy, uh, Real will pay that. Hey, might be buying. <laughs> might be buying. <laughs> Although Tuchel, I don't think Tuchel's going anywhere yet. Uh, if they don't win the league, he'll go. Yeah, because of the poker. I don't think so. No, like, I think it's just a buy. If you don't win the league, you're out the door. Hmm. They should win the league this year. They should. They really should. They really should with the team that they have. But um, or look, they could be a threat for the Champions League. Actually, just quietly. Yeah, they need to sign someone in January, a midfielder. Fine. Mm, mm. Whether it be Joe Pavinia or someone else. Yeah, that's been their issue. Yeah, they yeah, need a six because I don't think uh, Kimmich uh, can play that role. I think he's an improved nah. player, but uh, you know, I think they lose something with him not being the right back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to talk about Dortmund. Let's talk about Dortmund. And that centre-back pairing, Nicolas Sule and Nico Schlotterbeck, sixes and sevens on the weekend against Stuttgart. Oh, I wish I were like that against Newcastle. Yeah. But yeah, ha- like, ha- Hamill's playing there. Because Garassi didn't play the mm. whole game. He was coming back from an injury. If he played from the start, Leverkusen... Why, why am I saying Leverkusen again? <laughs> Dortmund. <laughs> No, if Grassi played from the yes. start, yes, Grassi played from the start, then Stuttgart could have scored five or yes. six. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, they're yeah, so that's bad fair. at the back, Dortmund, that's, every week. That's, that's, that's so fair. bad. Um, I think what's happened to this team? 
I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Have they fallen apart because you know they're um, they're hurt from last year, you know, from last season and not wrapping up the title. Um, it's weird because in Europe they've been pretty well. They have, yeah. They've been solid. They've been really solid in the Champions League. Look, they'll Just win that group. domestic form, like yeah. Look, they'll win that group of death. You think so? I think so. I, I yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get Dortmund this season because mm. for mine, Kobel and Hummels are the only ones in that defensive unit that get any sort of credit in the domestic performances this season. And yet they may go and win that ridiculous Champions League group. It's just night and day. Mm. Rocks or diamonds with this Dortmund team. Yeah, it looks like you're watching two different teams. Yeah. But Jekyll and Hyde, in a way. Mm. Um, from what I've seen with the with the Bundesliga, because it just does not make sense the their domestic form versus their Champions League um form. I mean, mind you, yes, they had um, you know, there's seven points to, you know, six points against Newcastle, but they um I think they're better than Milan and PSG, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, we can come on to PSG in a moment because they're in the headlines this week. Oh, your favourite French club? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Bundesliga looks like a very fun watch every week. There's mm. a lot of fun. Mm. You say Spain's a fun watch. Bundesliga yep. always looks like a fun watch. And yep. um, I don't watch it as much because I haven't got a German team. Mm-hmm. I don't have any sort of pull towards any of them. Mm-hmm. I would like one though. In like, I like the concept of following a Bundesliga team, but uh, yeah. I'm in the market for one. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle. I struggle with which one to follow. To be honest, um, yeah. I've yeah. Look, Myra Bayern, but I'm not a fan. Mm. I prefer Dortmund because you know um, Zelic was there. Yep. Right. And the supporter culture is just amazing. Yeah. And the that individual brilliance that Ned Zelic. <laughs> <laughs> As God love you, then. But um, yeah, um, so uh, yeah, I'm more inclined to go for Dortmund than than Bayern. But uh, soft spot for Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. Soft spot for Stuttgart. Um, but yeah, look, um, it's a fascinating league, though. I have to say, it is. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund, sure, Stuttgart. I'd say Cologne. Mm-hmm. Cologne, are an interesting club. Yeah. Werder Bremen, Bremen, uh, yeah, a a big club in Germany as well. Yeah, big club. Mm. I like the story of Union Berlin, though. Not this season, no, but I do like the story of Union Berlin because the manager's been sacked today. Oh, today, okay, right. I I didn't see that, so there you go. I think that might be breaking news. Um, and look, I don't think you can have any arguments. No, it is what 14 games in a row without a win. Fifteen, something like that. Yes, yeah. they are rock bottom of the Bundesliga. A ridiculous that, isn't it? It is. After doing so well, they were. Everyone was talking about Union being in its hotter race last season. <laughs> they were close. They were. They just kept on keeping on until they stopped keeping on. Yeah, and they still finished fourth. Mm. But this season's just been a disaster. Well, we'll wait and see if this, uh, if a new manager bounce uh, will take effect at uh, Union Berlin. Yeah, we shall see. Mm. What do you make of the new manager bounce scenario? I mean, it worked with CNFC. Yeah, I think, I think it's very it's, much I think, overrated. I think it's a thing, though. Oh, it's very much overrated. Okay, well, all right, statistically, <laughs> it might be, but there's no doubt that there's a bounce. It's not so much a bounce as it is a regression to the mean for these clubs. Like, they've been, been underperforming mm-hmm. for so long. Sure. It's just getting back to the average. Yep, okay. I, I don't think they turn into a superpower just because no, they, they change the manager, no. but I think they get back to where they should be. Or it's mm-hmm. a movement back to where they should be. Fair enough. So it's a an uptick. I'd 
but managerial uptick doesn't uh, have the same sort of ring to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's true. But I don't think you massively change your fortune with a new manager, particularly mid-season. It it's takes a lot more ch- process yeah. and recruitment and you know, it's easy so on that. It's easier to change a manager than, uh, and affect that change than it is to you know, change your playing roster. It is, but I don't think you get sustained improvement until you get into the transfer window. I agree. Agree. Mm. Very much so. Staying on Bundesliga, guys. Mm-hmm. Looks like uh, one uh, Fonzi might be uh, on his way. Yeah. Where to? Los Blancos. Mm. Alfonso Davies to mm. Real Madrid seems like it's accelerating. I'd heard. I didn't see anything you know, substantial on it, but yeah. Okay. I'm not going to do anything or say anything until Fabrizio Romano says it. <laughs> <laughs> if he can get Nestri and Iricunda correct, right? Yep. Um, you know, I'm waiting for Fabrizio to, to uh, you know, for uh, all my transfer news now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> the guy has just turned into this transfer guru, hasn't he? And yeah, it's incredible. I think I heard him say, like, during the transfer window, he gets, like, three hours of sleep. Yep. Correct. The rest of the time, he's just either on, on his phone, on his phone, yeah, be it ringing agents or mm. uh, people working at football clubs or just mm. on Twitter. Mm. Yeah, he's on his phone twenty hours a day during yeah. uh, during transfer windows. It's ridiculous. Jeez. I mean, I don't think I could keep up with it to be honest. The, the robot is a robot. Yeah, <laughs> he is. And look, the guy, the guy has absolutely earned the notoriety he's got mm. as mm. the transfers guy. Very true. It's a lot of work, though. It's a lot of work. Uh, look, it's not work if you enjoy it like that. True, true. And he obviously enjoys it. He obviously enjoys mm. that side of the game. And um, yeah, well, power to him. He's, he does a very good job. Here we seemingly. go. But yes, here we go. As he, as yeah. he puts it. And he's got his own Here We Go podcast, mm. which is a uh, interesting listen as we well. We should uh, see if we can get him on. Can't hurt to try. Mm. Gianni hasn't gotten back to us yet. <laughs> El Presidente. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as I said last week, I think that did get lost I, in the mail. I think that's gonna be a very, 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 very <laughs> slow burn. <laughs> I don't think either of us are really helping that situation. <laughs> Happy to have him come on and, you know, yes, face those questions very much so, very much mm, so, especially about the uh World Cup being awarded three years ahead of schedule and yes, and the Saudis uh submitting their. <laughs> <laughs> their uh, application one hour after it was announced. Incredible. Mm, yes. Insane. Les, yes. I want to take you to Norway. You want to go to Norway? Okay. Yes. I'd like to go to Norway. Fair enough. Because I'll be surprised if you caught this from the weekend. Mm, mm. But oh, I want to take it to the Norwegian second division. No, I didn't catch this. There's a club in the Norwegian second division called Lynn. Right. And they're fighting for promotion. Right. It was the last round of the Norwegian second division. Right. And they uh, were up against uh, a team called Fram Larvik. Well said. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you rolled that three tongue really well there. <laughs> oh, thank you, know, you. I'm, you know, I'm not a Norwegian expert, but it looked pretty good to me. SBS can come calling right now. Mm, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the story from this game is that. Mm. They had to win. Lynn had to win by 10 goals to get promoted. Oh, no. So it was a long shot. They got nine. They won by 10 goals to one. Ah, uh, so they won by nine. <laughs> Ouch. Yes, and they just miss out oh. on one goal difference point. Isn't that frustrating? Yes. Imagine that. You need 10 goals to win to get promoted. You only win by nine. Okay. Excuse my ignorance, but is there is that for a playoff now as well? Can, do they... 
get a chance to go via playoff? Uh, or... I think they do. They do yeah, get a chance to go via right. playoff. Yeah, because that's normally the way. Yeah, okay. Mm. So they'll play off against the... The team from above. The team from, yeah, from uh, division, the first division. Uh, amazing. They scored yeah. in the 89th minute, the oh. third minute, second half stoppage time. When did they thinking. concede the goal? Uh, 51st minute. Uh, okay. So they still had plenty of time to uh, mm. realise what they had to do. Mm. And they got so close yet so far. Mm. That's the beauty of promotion relegation, Les. That's true. Well, it looks like they're in a rich vein of goal scoring form, so they'll be okay with their playoff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so maybe um, yeah, keep an eye out on, on Lynn. Did you say Lynn? Yeah, Lynn. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out and see if they get promoted. Mm. Yeah, a little be... fun thing from the weekend. That is. That is. Well, I've got a couple of things for you, but let's go, go with your things. No, 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 no. no, no, no I'm, go I'm happy for you to take us all over the continent and <laughs> no problem and anywhere else. I mean, I haven't got that much more from this weekend, but I really? uh, should say Emma Hayes has been confirmed as the oh, was... US Women's National Team coach. Stole my thunder there. That's just happened today. That's yep. been confirmed. So we should uh, get back in touch with uh, Carl Bond. Yes, early favourites though for the next Women's World Cup. That's yes. for sure. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I, I think that uh, they're already uh, working up the designs with that fifth star. Oh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I think Spain and England <laughs> will have something to say about that, but um, just quietly. But uh, means that it looks like the Australia have uh, you know got uh, Tony G hanging around for a little while yet. Yeah. In his mixtape, <laughs> he's in the booth for a few more years and That's right. uh, see what see what he can uh, whip up for the Olympics. Mm. And they play Uzbekistan home heat. and away. Yeah, Uzbekistan mm. home and away in February. Yep. Yeah, we're dropping some new beats in February. Maybe let's see. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we you should... were saying you were saying about Tony G. No, I mean just generally. I think my I think my outlook on Tony G is a little more positive than yours. I don't mind him. I think you've been pining for a replacement for a while now. I would rather Joe Montemurro, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Right? Um, but I don't mind him. Um, I'll I tell you what I don't... I think it actually comes from Tony G, actually. What I don't like is the reliance on Sam. Right? It just looks like, okay, we're going to play the ball into Sam every time. You hit your number nine, right? Doesn't matter if they're running onto it or if they've got their back towards goal. Just hit your number nine, either in the air or on the ground. No. <laughs> no, cut it out, <laughs> please. For the love of God, cut it out. Right, just play football. You got speedy wingers. You got a midfield that absolutely works its tail off. Right, let the ball do the work. You know, with fast movement and um, incisive running. Poof. The Matilda, the Matildas, um, you know, can only get better from where they were, really. And you got to find a way to, you know, to have currently keep Rasso in the side and Fowler. And get the most that you can out of them, along with um, uh, mental blank. There's a hate when that happens. Seniority, old age, you see. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man, that's bad. But um, Ford, Caitlin Ford. Ford, yes. Right? Um, you've got to have, you know, that kind of capacity to have Ford in as well, right? Great goal on the weekend. Oh, look, how good, how good were they? I mean, yes, they went yeah. two 0 behind, but how good were Arsenal? You know, Coon- and Cooney Cross yeah. starting now, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, you got Cooney Cross, Ford, and Catley starting and being mainstays. Yeah, you know, and Arsenal looking good, right? Arsenal looking they, good. They, yeah, they seem to have got over their early season mm. blues. Yeah, I think that, like we said, I think that was women's World Cup related, to be honest. Mm. Right, but um, yeah, he's just got to find a way to get the best out of. 
those four players up front. Yeah, and I think you can. It seems mm. not the most difficult task to get a tune out of Valaker, Ford and Razzo. Just can't keep going, all right, I want you to hit the number nine every time. Yeah. Or look to hit the number nine every time. No, you know, give the you know, create enough so that the number nine can be in the right place to score, right? Or at least bring the others, um, you know, into a position where she can feed them to score. So, you know, Kirk, Kirk can play a false nine if you think about it. Yeah. Does it at Chelsea. Yeah, she, she has a build-up. Yeah, she does it at Chelsea. She has the interplay. That's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's perhaps something that can go in the back pocket. But, look, moving forward, this American team with Emma Hayes to circle back is Oof. looking very ominous. Yeah. Can't believe I forgot Ford's name there for a while. Happens <laughs> <laughs> to the best of us. It does. It does. But, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. Um, this women's US women's national team does look... Uh, ominous as long as they regenerate with the right players. And I think they've, I mean, they've got the players to be able to do that. And I don't think Emma Hayes is going to suffer any falls. If anything, no, actually, and, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, if anything, it'll actually help clear up the, um, any coaches' favorites being picked, mm. which I think was the case with uh, Zlatko. Maybe. Or Zlatko, I should maybe. say. Yes. Zlatko. Um, mm. While we're on uh, women's soccer, we should mention uh, the final of the uh, NWSL. And uh, the shame for the injury for Megan Rapinoe. Yeah, it's a shame, especially picking being the last in, game. Picking up that injury. Yeah, so yeah. early on in the game. Yeah. And look, that's two really sad moments for the end of her career, being the mm. uh, in the World Cup, the penalty miss, mm. and then this injury in, in the final, the NWSL. Mm. But uh, aside from that, I think crazy Gotham, game. Yeah, and Gotham deserved to win. They did. Mm. But you saw an outfield player go in goal. Which is yeah. always fun. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Tell you what, though, the future looks bright for NWSL with their broadcast nice. rights that have just been announced. Go on, spill the details. Last TV rights deal was one and a half million, right? And it's purported, right, that they'll actually get 60 million right now, right? Under, yeah, so 60 million, but as part of a broader deal with uh, US Soccer for 240 million in media deals. Wow. Wow. So That's a massive jump. CBS. So, yes, so here he is. So, it's CBS, Scripps, ESPN, Amazon Prime, multi partner, yeah, wow. multi partner, multi platform. Fragmented is not something I'm always a fan of. Mm. I think I'm ever a fan of a fragmented broadcast deal. But look, but it obviously serves them well, though, in this case, to yeah, generate close sure. to you know, that, that, those kind of figures, which is amazing. And mm. we're only going to see the league come on leaps and bounds off the back of it. Mm. And this is something we'll see repeated through the other leagues in Europe as well. Mm. And it's just more money circulating around in the women's game, which can only be a good thing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, more and more development on that side of things can only be good for it. So mm. good to see the broadcasters get behind it more, which is off the back of the fantastic World Cup and the overwhelming success of the American women's national team over the course of the last however many years now mm. and the popularity that they're getting. And so the, I think we can uh, look forward to the next generation of uh, women's American superstars. Uh, agreed. They're coming. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the women's super league in the U- in the UK was uh, okay as well over the last weekend. That was interesting. Mm. That was an interesting yes. watch. We mentioned Arsenal do you know beating Leicester six two, but um, yep. yeah, West Ham felt sorry for Mackenzie Arnold. <laughs> yes. Yes. Never never a good time when you have to mm. pick the ball out that many. Mm. Um, Manchester United looked like they were scoring at will. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And uh, we said he, it said, he says with a smile on, the... on his face. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, 
we said on the first weekend of the WSL that uh, Gaze looks like mm. a great pickup. Yeah. And I think Gaze goes straight into among the best forwards in the WSL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. There's a few teams that really look the part. It's going to be tough to see anyone other than Chelsea win it. True. Particularly because I think there's that extra bit of motivation that Emma Hayes is departing. Agree. Uh, they don't need extra motivation, but I think they've got it. Yep. Um, but look, the depth is there. I think mm. a little disappointed in Villa this season so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although, good result on the weekend. Yes. More more to come. Mm. More to come. Um, Liverpool, there or thereabouts this season. Yeah. Been solid. Mm. But yeah. Good to uh, have the WSL on this weekend when it is an international break because mm. uh, I'll certainly be checking out some of the games. The Derby's on this weekend, isn't it? It is the Manchester Derby. Mm, that'll be interesting. That'll be a good watch. And it will be, yes. That's probably my pick of the uh, upcoming weekend. Yes. Uh, you've aside dropped out the run the, sheet, but it was mine too. The, there is no run sheet. Stop <laughs> saying BS. There's no run sheet. We have sheets. No run sheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the... Yeah, so that'll be um, that'll be a good pick to watch. I think that um, there'll be some international games that we'll want to keep an eye on as well coming up. But um, I've noticed that the Women's Champions League kicks off. That it does. And it's Real Madrid versus Chelsea. That's a belt of a group. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, a it's great Paris group. FC, isn't it, as well? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So Cracking group. Yeah, Hayley Russo and Sam Kerr in action. And the other... Group to note is they're big names in Clubland, but mm. uh, maybe not on the women's side of thing as much. Mm-hmm. But Ajax, Bayern Munich, PSG in the same group. Okay, well, there you go. I think well, their women's teams are not on the same mm. level as their men's teams relative to the competition. Sure, but big names, big, big names, names nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, we got Leon still going again, of course. Ellie mm. Carpenter, they're immediately one of the favourites to take the whole thing out. Correct. And uh, Barcelona with Frankfurt as well, which should be interesting. Mm. I will say it's a shame we don't have Arsenal, Wolfsburg. Yeah, that is true. It would have been good to see them in this. Um, it does feel like there's some missing parties in this competition. Yeah. But yeah, again, like they shouldn't have a divine right to be in here. But look, they should be in here. They're two of the they best should be. teams. Yeah. They're two of the best teams on the continent. They should be in there. That's correct. No, that's correct. That's fair. That's fair. But but the answer is more spots. Full credit. Yeah, full credit to those that um, defeated them. Yeah, it's also very harsh. Mm. One knockout tie, and see you later. It, it, well, you know, it is what it is. Like Paris, Paris beat Arsenal, right, to be in this. Yeah. So now they're in that group with Real Madrid and Chelsea. So full credit to them. Yep, and PSG beat Man United. Mm. Which is not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where would, where else would you like to go, Nathan? Uh, it can't be a backpack episode without touching on the Prem. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. We we also say it every week that it's not a Premier League show. No, but look, <laughs> it, it is the most watched league. Hey, it, it's world, well so into the pod this week. It's not at the top like mm. it usually is. Mm. But uh, I want to talk about Mikel Arteta. Okay. He, what about He copped it? it last week from us. Yes, he did. And he's copying it again this week. On what basis? Because what he said in his post-match after the game of the weekend against Burnley. Did you see his quote? No, because I was too busy lamenting about Newcastle's fortunes. <laughs> I should have known. Seriously, I'm, I'm wrong, you know, like the injury list at Newcastle is worrying. You just got to ask Trippier. It is worrying. Oh, now, now, now. No need for you to, to stick that jibe in. <laughs> right. I think the Newcastle supporters need to calm down. But, they do. Um, they do. No, they do. Right. Um, and because there's no doubt to that point 
There's no doubt that Newcastle are doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. I don't like your players saying, look at the injuries, but I can't disagree with him either by the same token. Look at the injuries. Also, if, if, I mean, Kieran, okay, if God forbid Kieran Trippi gets injured, we're screwed for yeah. a while because they're all long term injuries as well. They're not short term. Mm. That's where the trouble is, right? You've got 12 first teamers effectively out, right? 11, well, take Mark, that target out. 11 first teamers out. It's, oh, yeah. you know, it's with longer term injuries. It's not great. Not great at all. It affects and, everyone, of course, but Newcastle seem to have it particularly bad at the moment. It's rough. And very rough. I mean, it's hard to feel sympathy for the richest club in world football, but still. Yeah. Okay. But they're not going out of their way and blowing everyone out of the transfer. Like they're trying to run the business on its own. Merits, of course. Right? And of that's course. The thing. Of course. But that doesn't right. garner any sympathy. Well, don't, don't expect <laughs> any sympathy from the likes of yourself or anyone else that matter. <laughs> but my point is that. Because that's a tribe that's thrown either the richest club. Yeah, they have. They haven't actually demonstrated the richness to the extent that, say, your Chelsea's or your Man U's have, mm. where they want mm-hmm. to spend the billion dollars in, like, you know, four transfer windows. But um, anyway, that said, right? <laughs> <laughs> so stick that, you know, in your pipe and smoke yeah. it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> um, Arteta, quite rightly, you got bagged the week before. What yep. did the man say this time around against Burnley? Because I missed it completely. Well, the man said, and uh, very sarcastically, he said, please ask me about the VAR, because today was very good. I hope that I'm on TV saying the referees are so good and I'm completely with them and being very constructive. He's just another Guardiola considered prick. Anyway, next. Yeah. No, he's right. <laughs> You're right. And um, I don't know what he's even whining about this week, because there's nothing to whine the about. Red, the Vieira red card was warranted. Mm-hmm. And I see some Arsenal supporters complaining about the Burnley goal, but... I think the defender just has to be stronger there. Yeah, correct. There's nothing to. There's nothing for Arsenal no. to whine about at the moment. No, there I, isn't. You know, um, and I noticed that um, the audio from the Newcastle Arsenal game did come out, and that Howard Webb was v- happy with the way that the process was followed. Yeah, and it was a lot better than the Tottenham Liverpool oh, audio. That was a mess. Yeah, that was a mess. Look, the the VAR and the officials do cop it. But we should say that off the back of the audio being released for the Tottenham Liverpool game, they have fixed up the process mm, and it's mm. much more structured in terms of how they go about yeah. making decision. Correct. Which I think it may have simply been a case of short-term pain for long-term gain because Correct. it seems to be a lot more, as I say, structured and mm. that's something that seems to be carrying forward every week and in every controversial mm. decision mm. that there's less likely to be a, a gaffe like we have seen in the past. It only happened in England, the, the gaffe that you happen to see. It doesn't seem... Send- tend to happen so much in World Cups and Champions League, pardon me. You're right. It does happen on the continent too, though. Yes, it does, but not in the way that it happens in England and the drama that's associated with that because they want the drama, obviously. Yeah. It's a cultural thing too. It is. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. Right. Um, but you can't have Deserby saying, I don't like 80% of the referees in England. <laughs> this shit. I mean, <laughs> look, he's got some merit. Because look at the 2018 World Cup, not one English referee was taken. Look at the 2022 World Cup, two at best. When's the last time an Englishman actually refereed the World Cup final? Yeah, it's been a long time. Mm, so, But look, why does the Zerbi not cop the same flack that Arteta gets? Because he's charming. He can say it in his head, you know, whilst <laughs> Arteta sounds like a whinger and a whiner. <laughs> But that's the thing, Deserby's still having a bit of a whinge. Yeah, he is, but he's like, hey, look. And uh, he's under the, pressure. 
Yeah, look, uh, the referee I don't like, you know, 80% of them are shit. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit, you know, to quote. Uh, get there to there you go. Right? But, you know, maybe you can all fall back on that. No, look, I jest, right? Look, I t- and I just, just about Arteta being a whiner. I actually like Arteta, but he's starting to sound like a conceited prick with regards to, you know, and reminding me of Guardiola oh, a bit. A, a bit like the Guardiola type of, you know, mm. you would not believe. Yeah, I would believe, mate. Don't worry. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, um, Arteta's very emotionally invested in it. The club were following him, and he obviously wants to break out free out, out of this. I'm Guardiola's understudy, and, you know, um, I'm here to establish my own legacy. So, yeah, it's a bit playing behind the scenes with regards to to Arteta. De Zerbi, on the on the one hand, is right, but he shouldn't. He can't say it the way that he did say it. I think. I think, unfortunately, English not being his first language, he could have chosen his words a lot wiser. I think could have stated that a different way and have the same effect. Yes, I think so too. I think so too. But <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. I think he is he under a bit of pressure this season, does he? Is. Yeah, he is. He is. There's no doubt about it. Is he man using the next best manager? run of results? Is he man using next manager, Nath? Uh would you have him? I would have him. Mm-hmm. Would he go? Probably not. I don't think he would go. Not no. with the current ownership. Not when he's working Even with the, the best 25% operators. change, I don't think that's enough. Yeah. Not when he's working with the best operators in, in football at the moment, I think. Yeah. Like, Cushy's not the right word, but it is relatively easy in the Premier League to be Brighton manager because you have so much resources. You have so much of a, a brilliant scouting network. Mm. You have great mm. support from the board and from the supporters. Mm. It's, I think it's... As far as Premier League gigs, gigs go, it's certainly one on, on the more favourable side. Like mm. You compare managing Brighton to managing Manchester United or managing, I don't know, say, it's another example, say a... Um, Newcastle United. Yeah, yeah, or Chelsea, or mm, West Ham. Or Chelsea, yeah. I think Brighton is an easier job to get into and to stay in. Yep, I agree. Because there's less expectation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think you're allowed a little bit more time as well. Like it took them ages to get uh, rid of what's his name? Name escapes me at the moment. Um, Chris, Chris, Chris. Cuton. Yes, Chris Cuton. Mm. It took them a long time to move him on, mm. and they almost got relegated because of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that shows the the nature of the club that mm. they're not one to just sack a manager because they have a downturn in results. And I don't think that's going to happen this time around now because Deserby's not getting all wins. But look, I don't think his job's under any real pressure. Yeah, look, you're right about Deserby. I think that he's got a lot of credit in the bank though. Oh, yeah, right. he does, particularly yeah. with their performances in Europe as well. Mm. I don't see Brighton moving on him very fast. No, no way. Mm. I don't say it at all. Mm. Uh, I yeah. don't know if he's still going to be marked for the city job, though, the longer this goes on, because moving to a big club is very much a case of timing. Sure, but resources in the in the terms of player resources, I think the playing squad at City is much better than the one at Brighton. Oh, so of course. To do what he's done at Brighton is commendable, right, and doesn't won't go unnoticed. So if he's the manager to take over from uh, Pep Guardiola, then I think you'll find that he'll um, step up to that level with those, with that kind of player, with that calibre of player there. So the only question mark I have with De Zerbi is around defensive structure of his teams. That's about mm. it. They're yet to keep a clean sheet this season, prior yep. in the league. Mm, mm. So, yeah, you're right. He's very attacking and uh, perhaps a little bit against the stereotype of an Italian manager. Correct. Let me ask you this. <laughs> what do you think Postacoglu would be like at Man City? Oh, yeah, fantastic. 
see, that would be a good fit, right? And he it would with be that, good with with that player, with that caliber of player at Manchester City. That would be a a good fit. It would be, and he's got plenty of City Football Group links as well. Correct with Yokohama and Celtic. Correct, correct. That was a little bit of my worry when he was doing so well at Celtic. Is he going to move to City one day? Well, it was... R- remains the case. <laughs> I still hope he goes to Newcastle at some point. But anyway, after Eddie Howe goes and takes England on. Could be going to Liverpool at one point, but mm, he's... Not sure. Yeah, I, I see it. Um, possibly. Possibly. I do I do see it. But he's got to turn his form around now. He's got a big mess to sort out there at Tottenham. It's amazing how quickly things turn. But you lose it, Madison, it, you lose Van Der Ven, you uh, lose two games on the bounce. He, lost, he had Romero suspended. Yeah. Right. So he's suspended for another two games, if I'm not mistaken. He is. He is. Um, yeah. Look, it's going to be very difficult for him, but they'll bounce back. They'll bounce back. I think from now until the end of January is going to be a very difficult period because he's going to lose Son in January. Yes. And Basuma. Yes. To uh, the Asian Cup and AFCON. Yeah, but he's not the only one that's losing players to the Asian Cup and, and that's AFCON. That's true. But I would say without Son, and if Madison has a maybe a setback in his recovery, mm. there's not a lot of goals in that Tottenham squad. Ah, oh, he'll find someone in January. <laughs> Mikey Yakumakis out from Atlanta on loan or something. I don't know. <laughs> Go and get Kyogo. Yeah. So, well, he can't. Oh, True. No, he'll be, at, he won't uh, be able to. As well. <laughs> he won't be able to. But, um, yeah. No, I was dis- disappointed with uh, Newcastle's performance, unfortunately. But um, how are you with Manchester United's performance? Oh, it's just a continuation. Apparently, they're the form team of the Premier League. If you they remember. are, yes, yes, I won't hear Seriously. any counterpoints. Oh, All you need to know Manchester United 12 points out of 15 in the last yeah. five. No other team can get anywhere close to that. Oh, you're right <laughs> on that point. You're right. So, and does I won't ten hear any survive? counterpoints. So, does Ten Hag survive? I think he does. Yeah, I think he does. So, especially it looks like this uh, 25% is going through. Oh, okay, yeah, and. I just saw, actually, breaking news, mm-hmm. that Richard Arnold is going to leave the club by the end of this calendar year. Oof, okay. Which Are you happy about a short that? stint. It is a very but short stint. I think he was doing pretty good things, and mm-hmm. he was a massive upgrade on Ed Woodward mm-hmm. at board level because he stepped away from the football side. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to play DOF as well as finance guy, mm-hmm. and he allowed the football department to look after the football things, and he looked after the rest of the club, which is what mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. From a CEO. Mm-hmm. Where my, well, in the cons column for Richard Arnold is, of course, the handling of Mason Greenwood. Okay. And yes. that he was very much on board for bringing him back in. Yep. And it wasn't until the, the massive backlash came out mm-hmm. that forced the club's hand to go the other direction. Yep. So. Understood. I think as a football CEO, tick, but he has certainly gotten a thing or two wrong in charge of Manchester United. Okay. Fair enough. But it's a big month. Yes, it is coming up for Manchester United because there's the the, uh, the Northwest Derby and uh-huh. after the international break, the club go to Goodison, who are Laz. They have the highest XG out of any club in the Premier League. <laughs> have you watched Everton play? <laughs> <laughs> the stats don't lie. No, they do. They do. I'm sorry, they do lie. The stats do lie. The stats lie. <laughs> right, I'm not buying this XG bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can <laughs> flick me text all you like and say, "Look at this." Yep, yep. Bubkus, right? All that have all that happens is you by watching a game, you can tell who's a good player, who's not, who's a good team, who's not, who's on form, who's not. 
if you're telling me that Everton have the highest XG, right? Actually, they don't. I so I read the stat wrong for a fact. Oh, okay, right. I was <laughs> but they have say, a higher. I have a higher expected goals per ninety than Arsenal. That is true. That is ludicrous. Have you watched both teams play? And then look, Arsenal <laughs> aren't in form, right? They're not. I mean, not when I say they're not in form, they're not the same team that they were last season. But Arsenal are gritty, and Arsenal are more effective this season because they are getting results when they're not supposed to. Yes, they are. And right. Everton racked up, I think, two and a half XG on the opening round where they lost one nil to Fulham. Well which done. Excuse things a lot. Yeah, well done. Great. Take your XG and shove it because it means absolutely <laughs> nothing. Look, it's a tool like every stat. And I think it's better than just looking at shots on goal. Mm-hmm. It's better than shots on target, yep. shots in general. Yep. And when used in conjunction with other things, it's very helpful. But you can't just look at XG and say, oh, yeah, that team deserves to win or that team was better than that team. That's reading way too much into it. And I don't like what they do on the broadcast these days where they bring up the XG halfway through the game and it's 1.2 to 0.6. This team's made more chances. And maybe that's why I'm not a fan of it. Yep. Right. If somebody, you know, and I'm not going to go and look for it as to how it's calculated and why it's calculated the way that it is. Right. If you want to educate us on it, feel free to. Yep. Right, go for Basically, it. Basically, I can tell you. Yep, I know you can. So the, I know you do. Because <laughs> you'd make a great football statistician. Whilst no, you just, thank you. Just let me watch the games. <laughs> <laughs> so they, whoever came up with the model, I don't know the the, the name. Mm. It, it might be Opta, might be someone else. But essentially, they worked out the percentage chance of a goal being scored for every point in the box, mm-hmm. and every point like in the general area outside the box as well, mm-hmm. like. If someone takes a shot from this specific blade of grass, what's the mm-hmm. chance it goes in the back of the net? Yep. Relative to what they're hitting the ball with, be it a foot or a head sure. or something else. Yep. The position of the defender and so on. Mm-hmm. So based on the average striker, mm-hmm. what's the chance that this ball goes in the back of the net? Yeah, there's some pretty average strikers that you're going to base that on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and to uh, rehash the uh, the old joke, if you think of the bang average Premier League striker, 50% of the Premier League strikers are worse than that guy. Okay. Fair but I think it's a good tool for determining a player's finishing quality. Say, okay, yeah, no, that's very good. That's the fair. good example yes, from I the agree. weekend is Real Madrid and Valencia. Yep, and Valencia won that match on XG, mm. but and they uh, lost five one. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can and, take uh, that moral victory then. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, moral victory. Yeah, but uh, Hugo Duro versus Vidi and Rodrigo. I mean, you don't need XG to work out who's a better f- footballer. Or who's the better finisher rather than who's the, the more finisher, effective. Yes. Yes. Pardon me, the more effective finisher, yeah. But I think also it can be used as a positive step for midfields. Mm-hmm. Like if a team's racking up a lot of XG, sure. it means they're creating a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. So then if you take a, if you can upgrade your strikers and put in someone who's a lot better, mm-hmm. then the natural ex- expectation would be the team's gonna score a lot more goals. Okay. But some of what you I say think, some of what you say there, Nathan, has merit. I don't know about plotting every blade of grass on in the box and saying, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I, I, but, I yeah, want uh, to find out what the XG is for that uh, Carvajal shot that he always goes for from the byline to try and sneak it between the goalkeeper and the far post. <laughs> Tell you what, he scored a great goal uh, against Valencia. He did. He did. Two minutes in, it was awesome. Mm. Awesome goal on his left foot too. Brilliant. But thus, we should get a uh, a football statistician on the pod. You can debate the merits of XG with him. Yeah, happy to. <laughs> just for shits and giggles, right? <laughs> as long as they're not boring, you know, like a you know, or a point dexter, right? It's all good, you know. And hello to all the point dexters out there. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you just a, get them off now. 
That's right. There's an there's an industry of football nerds. You know, happy to have them on. Happy, you know, hoping they're backpack listeners. And feel free to hit us up, and we'll get you on the pod. And you yeah, can tell absolutely. us all about what it is that you do. See, stats are very important, and they they're good for scouts. Good for yeah football departments. Yeah. Also good for betting companies, lads. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and Bet Three Six Five got into the news this week. Ah, so there's a segue there. Okay, I was going to yes. go with another segue, but go for it. And uh, you may have seen this, you may not have, but uh, Bet365 has got involved with a broadcaster. Which one? And uh, it wasn't mentioned which one, mm-hmm. but the story comes from Stephen Corker. Right. From the former mm-hmm. England centre-back. Sure. And uh, he put up a post on LinkedIn yesterday, mm-hmm. and he said that uh, he's finally landed a TV job, or at least he thought he had. Okay. And the the story is, is that Bet365, who are the main sponsors of the particular TV company, mm-hmm. uh, have rejected his profile due to them being nervous about some of the positive work that Stephen has done around problem gambling. That's outrageous. So much for gambling responsibly and all that kind of uh, message that you're trying to put out. Yep. That is outrageous. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Cork has done a, a few good things in the betting space, Yep. trying to combat addiction. Mm-hmm. And because he's done that, Bet365 won't have him on as a uh, part of the broadcaster. Basically costing him a job. Yep, ridiculous. I don't know what to say there. That. That aside from that, it's outrageous. That mm. is that is ridiculous. Yeah, shouldn't be allowed to stand that. If he has means of uh, being able to redress that situation, he should. Yeah. Hopefully and he's got a good solicitor. Yeah, there's a few organisations going around about the uh, anti-gambling, like Reclaim a Game down mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a, a few in the UK as well. Mm. Gamble aware of whatever they are. Yes, gambler aware, mm. and there's oh, I forget the name of it, but there's one where it's steps for gambling oh. addiction or something like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, again, that'll be a very good topic for us to go down on sure. a particular episode here. Yeah, nonetheless, uh, maybe we can it's... maybe we can do that in the future. Yeah, that's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Shouldn't be allowed to stand. Yeah, and shame on the broadcaster and on the three six five. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Laz, what else caught your eye this week? Um, I came across Plymouth Argyle. And their chairman releasing a five-year plan for Plymouth Argyle, right? Oh yes. The new mission. How to ambitious be, is it? To be a sustainable top six championship club within five years with Premier League aspirations. Mm-hmm. Pretty fair. Yep. Yep. Not a problem there. Okay. Five-year plan built on five key pillars. Yep. Fan, visitor, and partner experience is the okay. first pillar. Yep. Right. Where they can, where supporters, visitors, and partners can feel valued, engaged, and emotionally connected to the club. Pretty self-explanatory, yep. right? It is. Financial strength is number two. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, which is sound, right? Sure. You want, you know, clubs to operate sustainably and invest in areas providing the club with strength and growth. And many championship clubs don't. That's right. Brand of... Because it, yep. Sorry, I was going to say. Okay, go on. Because it very much is a, a gamble to invest in a championship mm-hmm. club. And, Pardon the pun. Yeah. Like we said last week. Yep. And... Uh, there's been a few clubs that try and chase the dragon of the Premier League, mm-hmm. but they fall short just because football is football, and they really do feel the pain of that in years to come. There's been many examples of that. Yeah. Third pillar, brand and sense of place. Yep. Mm. You know, the club's keen on the creating a clear, authentic, and compelling identity deeply connected to the geographical, cultural, and historical roots. Mm-hmm. Happy with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so people, far. People are the fourth pillar because they're integral to everything we do, right? And the last one, efficiency and ways of working. Now, they're all pretty good, pretty sound, right? Yes, they are. They're okay. a little bit uh, wishy-washy. Corporate talk. Yes. Bit, corporate talk, a little bit wishy-washy. That's what I read. And they're, 
they're over what's what's the phrase I want to say here? They are are they over corporatizing or yeah, yeah they're over corporatizing yeah, the footballing. That'll work. Yep. Yeah. Look, that's uh, just what I read into that. It's a sense of place. Yeah. Like just yeah. Plymouth are a pretty decently sized club. They're mm-hmm. very well supported. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a genius. You don't need corporate lingo necessarily to get that point across. Correct. I would have thought so. Mm. But um, yeah, that was interesting. Right. Another thing that I noticed is the Premier League, a which I actually like this, right? Uh, a new partnership to develop an operating system which supports holistic development of athletes and transformation of player pathways. You're going right. to have to flesh that out a bit. Okay. So what's happened is that Kim and Labs, sports and technology and analytics company, which are right up your field, <laughs> setting the industry standard for how elite sports organizations use data and they have um, gone into partnership with the Premier League, right? So now the partnership will provide all Premier League and EFL club academies a centralized football, a centralized fully integrated football intelligence platform designed to aggregate and mobilize player and staff data across coaching, medical, sports science, operations, player care, and education. So it's all going to be encaptured in one platform, which I think is a great idea. Although I'd be careful with regards to privacy, you know, amongst yeah. other clubs. But obviously they've all signed up on it. There was a story that about that maybe a year ago that may have been longer, but I remember players were asking the question about whether or not they own their statistical data from football matches. That's where I was coming to with that. Mm. Do they own the data? I don't think they do anymore, or they ever did. Yeah, I don't think so either. Unfortunately. Look, because, I mean, is it unfortunate? Like, it's good in a way that if they're looking at it holistically and saying, hey, especially the younger players, right, if they're in their academies and this is where this is attack, you know, um, going to be primarily focusing on, um, if they're using it to monitor the well-being and conditioning of players and being able to measure their sleep and mental aptitude and, you know, the things that they do both in school or, you know, away from school, in the academy, all that kind of thing. And they're putting the welfare of the player first, all for it. Because obviously we've all heard about the stories where academy uh, players are um, let go. Yeah, it is interesting. What a player does on the football pitch and the data that is generated from that, I don't think they can claim that at all, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Also, what do you even do with that data? Like, okay, let's say hypothetically there's a ruling that mm. players are owning of their football data and their mm-hmm. statistics on the pitch. Like, hey, then what? Mm. What's the footballer meant to do with that? Take mm. ownership of it. What does that get you? Not much. Mm. Should companies like Opta and Squawker and so on have to pay some sort of commission to athletes if they use their data? Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Like, if so, Opta is very popular amongst a lot of football clubs and a lot of institutions. If I want to go on Opta and I want to say, or We Scout or whatever, and say, give me a report on Brennan Johnson because mm-hmm. I want to know if he's going to be a good fit for my football club. Yep. And whoever it is provides all that data. Mm. Should there be some sort of commission to the player? Maybe. I think that's a really good point, Nathan. Well, no, that's a really, really well considered because effectively the player is putting in the labor and the effort for. To generate that data. Yeah, and then we scout and Opta are selling it on. Yeah, correct. Mm. There should be some kind of, you know, even a minimal amount as a recognition yeah. of that player. I mean, yes, you know, in particular if they're an academy player and they're not earning a, you know, a wage. Yeah, and look, what you just described just sounds like an expanded scouting network that already exists. Which is integrated in under the auspices of the Premier League. Yeah. And the uh, EFL, which I found interesting, actually. But obviously the AFL, AFL academies, yeah. 
the AFL academies fall under the Premier League academies as well because of the um, regionalization of the youth. Yeah, like the Premier yeah. League too. And yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. It is interesting. Mm. Maybe not for some of the backbeggers listening. So uh, no, we that's right. Gone before too long, but no, no. <laughs> um, I think I it is yeah. a point that is worth exploring because. More and more statistics are coming into football, and it's just a case of should there be something to the players? Do they have? A, do these companies have a responsibility to the players? Mm. I don't think that's set in stone, but there probably should be. And maybe the backpack listeners can let us know what their thoughts are. Yeah. I, I think it's a fascinating thing with regards to, in particular, at such a crucial age of um, you know youth going into senior football or before they go into under twenty threes. Can the the player would obviously want to access that data and say, hey, I, you know, this is what I did for X amount of time, you know, and this is what I did at, say, Liverpool, or this is what I did at my time at Newcastle, for instance. So I think it's a, you know, a really pertinent point. And it's, look, they're the standard bearer for the rest of the leagues in Europe. So the rest of the leagues in Europe will be watching this and they'll be wanting to catch play catch up on it very soon. I think so. I think mm. so. I'm going to run through some clubs. All right. All right. Is this like guess the link, is it? No, 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 not at all. Um, And these are historically successful clubs that um, a journalist has deemed to be failures at the moment or that they've, you know. Harsh. Yes. Um, So 20 of them, right? 20 clubs. 20 clubs across the UK, Italy, and Germany primarily, and Spain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nottingham Forest. No, I disagree. Okay. Um, their last major trophy was the 1990 League Cup. Is that the mark for success or failure? Yeah, also in, in dabbing into relegation. Like, compared to the forest of the late 70s, sure. Yeah, you absolutely. That's what they're doing. Yes. Yeah, that's what they're doing. But there's not enough silverware to go around to call every club who doesn't win one a failure. No, that's true. Ipswich Town, fall from grace. Yes, fall from grace, but it looks yeah. like they uh, may be rejoining the big table next mm-hmm. season. And maybe the, the, we should call this the four from grace table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. So he switched down, mm-hmm. um, you know, having won the UEFA cup in 1980, 81. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Leeds United. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, they still haven't recovered from what, 2003, four mm. properly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Last one. The, that were the last winners of the old division one. They were. They weren't doing Yes, before the Premier League started. Blackburn Rovers. Yep, tick. Yep, Derby County. Tick. Mm-hmm. Can I hazard a guess for some more clubs on this list? Go for it. Portsmouth. Nope, not on here. Really? Hamburg. Yep. Sheffield Wednesday. Nope, Schalke. Yeah, yes, they are. Kaiserslautern. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Big time. When I looked at it, I thought, this is the, yeah, hard to argue with any of those. Mm. Sampdoria. Is 60 on that list too? No. Okay. Sampdoria. Yep. They were, they are a huge club in Italy, and they have, you know, vanquished effectively into relegation. But anyway, Parma, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, they were, they were, I guess, in the glory days, yes, of the nineties. And Buffon was keeping, and Cannavaro was playing, and Crespo, and you look, jeez, what a side they were. Mm. Torino, would you believe that Torino were once bigger than Juventus? Wow, seems very strange to say that in the forties. Oh, okay. Yeah, no in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, 40s and 50s. Um, Michel Platini's former club in France, Saint Etienne. Yeah, second division club now. Yep. Bordeaux. Yep. Likes of Zidane, you know, Dugari. Um, Rams. Will 
What's his surname again? Will Steel. Will Steel. That's it. Mm-hmm. Steel. Will Steel. Right. Although they, yeah. uh, obviously they're starting to make a bit of a resurgence, but not much. They were they were unlucky not to uh, get something out of the, the game on the weekend mm-hmm. against Paris. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the scoreline suggests not, but they were. <laughs> did, you, did you hear? Well, that's right. And to your point, did you hear um, the coach of Paris uh, bagging Mbappe? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Luis Enrique coming out and saying that uh, Mbappe doesn't do enough work off the wall. I'll tell you what, it's a big decision to come out and criticise the uh, the boss like that. Is Luis Enrique wrong? <laughs> no, he's not wrong. Exactly right. Is it going to cost him his job? Maybe. Well, but, well it could because Mbappe, well, I've heard that... Uh, I've read rather, not heard. I've read rather that Real Madrid are no longer interested in, in Mbappe. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, posturing. I don't know about that. It's happened three times now. Yeah, I think. But, uh, I mean, I think they're moving on because Haaland's could be a uh, you know. Oh, take him, please. <laughs> <laughs> Haaland could be a player, and that's it. Yeah, and he's younger. I think if uh, Sabi Alonso we might be living in that. Yeah, I think we might be living in that timeline now if things were a little bit different with Harry Kane. Harry Kane moves to City when he wanted to. Yep. Obviously, then City don't sign Haaland. Mm-hmm. I think the obvious place for Haaland to then go would have been Madrid. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he could still end up, end up going there. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, next week he can go. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't uh, think so either. Valencia. Yeah. Is uh, Deportivo La Coruña on this yes, list? Yes. Well done. That's next. <laughs> well done, Nathan. Well done. Well done. I had to get one of them, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You did. Um... There's one more in this list, but I'll add one more after that. Go on. Real Zaragoza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Espanol, the Barcelona. I think, look, it's very harsh to call all those clubs failures. No, it's not. And there's more on the list. I just haven't, like, you know, there's heaps more that we could go through. <laughs> but no, it's not. Uh, They're all abject so, failures. One of them is a failure, in, like, you know, I would say, you know, Glissin Greece were a failure. They were now second division, you know. They were a big yeah. club in Greece. There's so many clubs like that. Well, I think football by nature is cyclical. Yes, it is. Like, would you put Huddersfield in the same bracket because they won the leagues in the 20s? They won three leagues in a row back in the 1920s? Or does field? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would. Like, as I said <laughs> at the top of this little bit, there's not enough places for everyone nah, to be happy and someone's got to be in the second tier. You can't have um, a million and one clubs fighting for the title. Very true. Very true. But I think... It's very harsh to label them all failures. Yes, the, some clubs are further down the divisions than they should be, and some clubs are more in a tight spot at the moment than they are mm-hmm. perpetually relegated or whatever. Sure. Like Leicester City. Yep. I think you could, judging by the criteria for some of those clubs, would cast them as a failure this season. Yes. Although they'll, win, they'll, they'll end, up, end up winning silverware this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, look, I don't know I about think, silverware. I think I'll take it out. I'll, I'll get promoted, but I think they'll end up winning it. Ipswich aren't going think, away. No, they're not. No, they're not. And I think Ipswich uh, will take the second place. Yeah, Kieran McKenna's track. The boys are on the up. I think. Mm, true. True. Uh, MLS. Yeah. You want to go deciders. Yeah. You want to go through that? Yeah, we can. And go for it. some uh, interesting results indeed. The uh, Columbus Atlanta game. Mm-hmm. It's a missed opportunity for Atlanta. It was there for them, but I think they got a little bit exposed. And Yakamakis on the score sheet again can mm-hmm. try what he likes, but they're a good team, mm. Columbus. Mm. Like Kuja Hernandez is a great signing for that level. Mm. Fantastic player. He was scoring bangs in the Prem for Watford. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we lost Real Salt Lake. Yeah. Your favorite, your favorite Lee yeah. team. 
I like um, um yeah the Western Division semifinal. You know, we've got uh, Seattle versus LAFC. Mm-hmm. At Lumen Field, that'll be big. That will be. Mm. Yeah, very much so. I think that's a pick that's, of the games. I know I mean, Philly, Philly is a good one as well. The semifinal of Philly. I'm just thinking, Cincinnati Philly is a big game. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati have been very good this season. Yeah, they have been. But I'm tempted to say that Seattle LA is the MLS Cup. Yes. I think whoever comes out of that may indeed go all Win the it. way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Look, Cincinnati number one in the East, right? But yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think... look, if it's not Cincinnati in MLS Cup, it'll be a big surprise. Oh, Philly are very good. How good was And they were there last year. And they were there last year. Acosta has been so good this year. Yeah. For Cincinnati. Yeah. True. Mm. True. Um, there, look, I'm inclined to agree with it, though, with Seattle. That's a very stupid call. Seattle and LAFC. Mm. But those games are on this weekend. No, this they're weekend. not. They're off for international break as well. Yes. Yes, that's true. So, the one um, international break. Into Miami. What about them? They are doing a uh, initiative um, which is committed to uniting athletes and fans to eliminate waste in the in the football industry long term. Yeah. So basically uh-huh. what they're doing is they're doing a, a depop effectively <laughs> <laughs> of worn football gear. It's called Reboot. So there's a Reboot collection. Um, I think that's what Adidas are doing at the moment because yeah, Adidas have tracked out a whole bunch of old yep. gear and just reselling at full price. <laughs> Correct. So there you go. But they're um, not doing it in collaboration with Inter Miami. Mm. Inter Miami are using a, yeah. another brand. But uh, yeah, effectively, um, they're coming up with a, what's called a reboot brand. Mm. So there you have it. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. So, as what are you looking forward to this weekend? The women's matches, the derby. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, look, I mean, international football. Look, the Socceroos. They need to win tomorrow yeah. to kick off this. Tomorrow campaign. night against Bangladesh, Correct. and then neutral venue against Palestine. Because we're yeah, we're what's recording. What's your what's your pass mark for these well, two games, lads? An aggregate score. I'm gonna go early and say an aggregate score of ten nil is my. So yeah. ballpark I'm looking for. I'll go, I'll go eight. We're recording on a Wednesday night as we sit. But, um, yeah, look, and uh, the game, the soccer is playing in Melbourne against Bangladesh. Should be really a 5-0. Yeah. Right. And 3-0 three, three away to um, Palestine in uh, Kuwait on yeah. Tuesday, I believe. Mm, I'll be happy with 10-0 across both. Mm. Yeah, I think that's... Look, I'm not going to kick off if it's not. No. Okay. But is our expectation too high? No. The expectation should be to win every game in this group and win comfortably. Mm-hmm. I agree. There is no semblance of a bogey team in this group. And even when in previous qualifications that the Socceroos are in a worse position than they are now, mm-hmm. they still swat aside this first round of qualifying. So, yeah, I'm expecting relatively substantial scores. And what is it, six games that Australia's going to play in this group? Yep. Saying an average of 4-0. Yep. No, that's fair. That's fair. Because also, these are the final two games before the Asian Cup, so... Mm, that's right. That's right. I'm also looking forward to Colombia-Brazil Friday morning. Yeah, big one. Mm-hmm. And Argentina-Uruguay. So, yeah, there's a couple of um, tasty internationals that... Um, there is. Yeah. And another round of uh, Euro qualifiers, too. Uh-huh. The final games in these groups. Yeah, you're right there, Nathan. There are a lot of uh, European qualifiers. These are the final qualifiers before... They revert to the Nations League in the next uh, international window next year. <laughs> you roll your eyes as I say that. Uh, I mean, look, Nations League is better than international friendlies, uh-huh. but there's not much that isn't. I need to figure out how the Nations League is going to work with the qualifiers 
obviously like with the the qualifiers for the ones that actually miss out going so towards Europe. Yeah, well, <laughs> your wife need to figure that out. So that's true. I mean, when it's in Ireland's best interest to <laughs> throw a game effectively, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It, yeah, is. it is ridiculous, right? So Ireland are playing the Netherlands, and they can throw that game. Mm-hmm. It's in their interest to throw it. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Just like it is for Scotland to throw their game against England in the women's. In, in the women's, yeah. Yep. In December. Yeah, these situations are not good. So well done, you wife. Huh? Yeah, great system you got there. Yeah. But look, it's the end of these Euro qualification groups. I think the Dutch mm-hmm. were just about to keep Greece at arm's reach. They are. Just about. Well, you know, the, the, well, Ireland are just going to forfeit. Yeah. They should. <laughs> they should. But what's Ireland win the game and then not qualify? <laughs> well, the, hey, listen, I can only hope that the, the, the Dutch <laughs> drop, drop their next two games. Although, the, look, the trouble is the Dutch will go in through one head to head. Yeah. Against Greece. Mm, so it's an uphill battle. Yep. But yep. Uh, is there any other storylines from these final rounds of Euro qualifiers? Italy playing uh, North Macedonia. So their nemesis from the, I mean, Italy didn't make the last World Cup because they lost to North Macedonia, who then lost to Portugal. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Oh, and it's also Ukraine, Italy. I see. Ah, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's a playoff game, effectively. 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 I think Italy will be too good there. It would be amazing to see the Ukrainian team at the Euros, but it'll be equally a story if Italy miss out. No, I don't want Italy to miss out. I want them to try and defend their uh, Euro title. Mm. Eh, I mean, they got a thing. they got a taste for not qualifying for tournaments at the moment. <laughs> World Cups. Euros, they're okay. World Cups are the issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that remains to be seen, lads. <laughs> well, World Cups are the issue so far. So yeah, It may go horribly wrong for them this international break. It may, it may. It may that, that may be the, that uh, may be the case. What are you looking forward to, Nathan? I think we covered it all off. Manchester Have derby, mm-hmm. um, final round of these Euro qualifiers, the, the Dutch game, Socceroos, yeah, most likely. <laughs> um, Women's Champions League, WSL, A League Women's. It's an interesting international break. There's more things to check out than normal. One thing we need to mention: yesterday was the 50th anniversary of Australia qualifying for the first World Cup. Uh, 1974. Yes, it was. Mm. So there was a uh, function held, and uh, I understand Jack Service was um, responsible for putting it together um, with some of the original 1974 Socceroos still with us, and um, likewise the 1975 Matildas uh, in attendance oh, at a restaurant in Sydney. So, which I've uh, seen uh, posts about on uh, social media. So, uh, well done to all concerned in putting that together. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. It's always good to celebrate these milestones in Australian mm. football, uh, especially one that is such a significant number as 50 and yeah. such a large number as 50. There's not enough things to celebrate long-term in Australian football. Correct. And there's things to celebrate on the short term and in the last few decades, sure, mm. which are great. But I think Australian football needs a lot of a lot more long-term things. Well, that's and, an icon- yeah, it's an iconic moment. That um, It certainly is. In the, you know, in terms of the soccer's history. Very much so, very much mm. so. And um, I was not around to see that moment, Laz. Uh, tell neither us what was it was I. all about. Neither, neither was I, smart ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, fair enough. You can, I'll let you have that one, but neither was I. <laughs> I missed it by a couple of years. Mm, so, there you go. Yeah. Uh, had I been alive, I wouldn't have been able to remember it anyway because I would have only been a couple of years old. That's true. That's true. And so, 
Look, yeah. I think there should be some sort of commemoration for the game mm. tomorrow night. I don't know mm. if there's anything planned, but it'd be nice Not to sure. see that happen. Yeah, hopefully there's some kind of recognition or, you know, mm. pre-game. But, uh, yeah, Get them out nice. on the pitch. Well done. Well said. Well said. 100%. 100%, Nathan. What a great call. Surely. What a great call. Surely. Hopefully Football Australia surprises and uh, have done something mm. like that. That'd be awesome if they did. But, um, yeah, um, hopefully there's some kind of recognition, even if they're, they're unable to travel um, down to Melbourne, but uh, hopefully a kind of mention on the video screen or something, Yeah, which uh, the broadcast network, Channel 10, can uh, pick up with. Yeah, that is something to look forward to this weekend, Les, and tomorrow night. Mm. Uh, mm, I think we've hit the back peg. Indeed we have, Nathan. Indeed we have. Um, yeah, we'll uh, doing an early record this week and an early one next week. Yes. So... Um, and uh, I think because of the international break, it allows us to sort of rejig the time slots for the next period because uh, yours truly is uh, heading up to a wedding uh, mid next week. And yes. I'll say congratulations to the lucky couple, Justin and Lauren. There you go. All the best. All the best. And, all uh, our best wishes. And you're taking yes. a leave of absence for a week, which is awesome. So go enjoy yes. the far North Queensland. But we'll talk on Monday anyhow. No, not that far. Not far North Queensland. <laughs> Just the hunter. <laughs> ah, dang. I thought it was far North Queensland. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, yes, should be fun to uh, catch up with everyone and celebrate and back in time for the Sydney Derby on the weekend. Which we'll talk about next week. Uh, Which we shall. Yeah, we'll touch on you know on Monday, but yes. Mm. Yeah, that uh, is a tasty affair to come Certainly back to is. from International Week. So hang on, one thing we didn't take, talk about, which we should have. Okay, go on. Before we wrap up, Klopp's comments on <laughs> the 12.30 kickoff <laughs> coming up against Manchester City. He can't help himself, can he? He doesn't like the 12.30 kickoff on a Saturday. He hates it. Simple? He hates it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple, right? Um, the Premier League should like get together and just schedule the games earlier 12, and earlier each 12 week. 12.30 Saturday, here, like 11.30 this Saturday, yeah. 10.30 a.m. one other Saturday. Yeah. No. You're playing 8 a.m. In a, on a plastic pitch in the middle of nowhere one week, Jürgen. Deal with that. Um, <laughs> but he's right in this case, I think. Yeah, Look, it's not the Premier League. It's not the broadcaster. It comes it from the police. Hang, no, really? Yeah. It comes from Greater Manchester Police. Why? Because they don't... Look, the police see it as a security risk hosting the game at 5.30 local time because everyone's been able to get more drinks in and then there's uh, okay, you get about, things thrown at buses. What, and What about 2.30 on a Sunday? He's, Klopp is right. You, you can try and break it out and say, hey, he's not. He is. Yeah. I know. No, he is right. He's right stupid to have that game the first half. He's right, and this is against this. Look, if it was a regular week, not off an international, Correct. I wouldn't have a problem. Yes, I agree with that. But, yeah, off an international week where particularly his uh, newfound number nine, Darwin Nunez, will be flying back from South America. Mm. Correct. It does cause problems. It, it does. It does. Like, he's right when it comes to this. Yeah, he right. is. Um, I get the other side of it, so, you know, as far as, hey, coming back to the Premier League, Right, the last international break for the window for the year is done. It's just Finally. Premier League. It's you know, it's just Premier League from here to you know March, um, March or February, right before the Champions League kicks off again. Right? Yeah, cool. so you know, yeah, it's, I get the uh, premise behind it, but yeah, maybe they should have put it back a week. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But anyway, but in any case, twelve thirty kickoffs up for everyone, and they all go around. Everyone's got to deal with them at some point, I suppose. Except for Liverpool. Liverpool seem to be dealing with it a lot more. In this case, he's right, right? I don't buy into him, like Liverpool being picked on as far as the 12.30 kickoffs. Because I can tell you, 
every other, well, you would, <laughs> but every other club would die for a twelve thirty kickoff on a Saturday because of the the coverage that they get worldwide, yeah. not just in the UK. It's worldwide, right? So, and I'm happy that uh, Liverpool City's on on the early kickoff on Saturday because it's probably the only time zone in the week that uh, is watchable live. Correct, yeah, because every other one is. You know, yes, it's an ungodly hour, but we do yes. it because yeah, yeah, we do it. <laughs> mm. but, yep. Yeah. Look, if it was eleven thirty kickoff on a Saturday night here, fantastic. You know, yep. Asia Happy days. a little bit earlier, right? So he, I don't, he forgets that he's playing to a larger audience. Yeah. Typically, I would always say football should come first over the audience and the metrics and the finance, whatever else. No, but it can't because then they can't. They won't be getting the figures that they're getting as far as broadcast rights are concerned, and the paying the wages that they pay. So no, they're, rela- like, they're related. They are, but this game is going to always rate well whenever you put it on in the weekend. Sure, but if Manchester City didn't have Guardiola, right? It wouldn't be rating well because nobody cared about Manchester City aside from Manchester City supporters before the UAE bought them out. That's true. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And uh, I think <laughs> I, that's I, a good place to leave it. I don't need to convince you otherwise. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Said as a true Man U supporter. There you go. Yes. <laughs> now, if it was Liverpool and... Newcastle, different story because oh, yeah, there's yeah, no history yeah. there. Okay. Mm, but you would be coming out against uh, City now because they're an arch rival of Newcastle now, aren't they? Not yet. Soon. We've got to get one up on them first, and then, you know, then the rivalry will build. <laughs> uh, that rivalry's been building for hundreds of years, Les. Uh, let's not go into the uh, geopolitical <laughs> aspects of it right now, okay? <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, I think we shall call it. Nathan, done. We've hit the back peg. Thank you to the back peg listeners. Thank you. Feel free to like, share, subscribe. Let us know your thoughts. DM us at the back peg on Instagram at the back peg on X and uh, our personal handles as well, which you'll find on those pages. So please feel free to uh, interact with us and let us know your thoughts. Yep. Send us your questions, any feedback. We'd love to hear it all. And enjoy the international break. We'll speak to you on Tuesday. Enjoy the football. Go, you socceroos.